0: Hello, everybody. Uh, Danny Raines here, and we're back on the Voice of Experience on the podcast. And this will be the upcoming video um, that will become, I mean, the upcoming article in IP Magazine. I think it's going to come out in February March. And uh, as a result of all the cold weather we've had, uh, I decided I would write an article. I never know what Kate wants me to write but I, she usually gives me leeway to do pretty much whatever whatever the hot topic is this week or month is what I like to cover because if there's that many people asking about it or commenting on it on social media and everywhere else, uh, it could be one of those unknown topics to where it could save somebody's life or it could get somebody hurt if they don't quite understand it. So what I did as I went back... And I looked back in the day and this is some of the early days of my apprenticeship, which was not, a, not really an apprenticeship. My apprenticeship was learning how to climb pole. And then once you proved the fact that you climb pole, then you go out and start working on a line crew and then you can start building and maintaining distribution transmission and overhead and substation, whatever we were doing. So, what uh what I want to talk about today is ruling spans and sagging tables. In other words, the amount of uh proper tension that you sag a conductor at. And I think as a result of the cold weather we've had, it, it came up uh the last, I guess I don't know, we've had we had well, it's really strange in this part of the world I live in down here. I think last Sunday morning it was nine degrees above zero. And, Today it's seventy-five, so you know if you don't like it. Just hang around a minute, and it'll change. But it's okay. You get used to it if you live in the south. It's just it's not a not a continuum like it is anywhere else. Well, because of this cold weather, there were a lot of uh, there were a lot of trouble calls. There were a lot of unscheduled outages, and of course, it was in my day back when I was a training crew foreman and even a lineman crew leader, I was a crew leader on a training crew. And that's where I really, and that was back in the eighties. And that, that, that basically, I really started getting into the books and started looking and reading because until then, you know, it was one of those things where there was, there was, there was a belief out there with linemen. If it looks good, it'll work better. And it don't look good till it ain't, there's no sag in it you know that was the that was the bottom line well get all you can get and then get three more and don't lose any making it up that was kind of the the byline the problem with that is is when you do that in really really warm weather and it gets cold there's a problem uh it's usually the tension table that you've exceeded the you know and we never use a dynamometer back in those days It was all but we eyeball it, you know. That's all we ever really did. What I want to do is go back and kind of give you a little history on sagging tables, ruling spans, and then determining the amount of sag. I hope that most construction manuals for companies now, if you have like a spec book, specifications book, you'll wind up with... a sagging table in a chart somewhere in there, you should. In other words, first thing you have to do is find your ruling span. The ruling span is nothing more than looking at a mile of wire or whatever you're pulling, uh, get the longest span, the shortest span, but you add them all together and then divide it into the number of spans, get the average, that's the rule, and then look at the temperature of that day you're sagging and let that be your guide. Well, we had a lot of folks back in the day and a lot of contractors too. Uh, they just love tight wire. I mean, I worked for a foreman. If you had any sag in the wire at all, you had to go back go up there and put some nylon ratchet or something and then pick it back up if it was new construction like reconducting, things of that nature. Well, in the days, back in those days, you know, that ruling span uh, was was the key to the whole thing. But most apprentices that I dealt with in those training crews, they had no idea what ruling span was and the effect of how the temperature, if you had triple AC or ACSR, or even copper for that matter copper won't won't shrink and expand as much as aluminum will but it will expand and retract so but that was kind of the philosophy back then you know if it if it looks good it'll be fine it'll work well that went on for years and years and you know <laughs> i know i'm trying to remember 1994, 1984, 1984, there was a uh, cold weather came through here in January. I was was a lineman in uh, Macon, Georgia, and of course, got the phone call about midnight, 11 o'clock at night, got up, got dressed, went to work. And got in there, and, and of course, by then you know the temperature was zero, which had never ever happened in Macon, Georgia. I mean, I've been there just about all my life, except for a little while up in Chicago and other places. But uh, it was cold. I mean, it was so cold that the hydraulic fluid in High Rangers, and that was that was back before Altec bought High Ranger. But the buckets didn't work because the hydraulic fluid was freezing up. Uh, and we started getting trouble calls right and left everywhere. And, I mean, we had everybody that that would answer the phone and come in and work was working that night. And there was wire being pulled apart everywhere in that town. The first call I got was down on the south side of Macon, and it was out on what we call Cornfield Road. There was a set of 1,200-amp gang switches down there. It was 750 triple uh, AC, and which was no steel core, and which means it's going to expand and contract even more. But <laughs> I pulled up down there and looked, and I said, "Oh my God!" It literally pulled the gang switch apart. Parts of the po parts of the gang switches, the dead end shoes, and everything was laying on either side. And by that time, I think they told us, and I don't know, but I was told that it was like three degrees below zero. And we were out there, and the lineman that was out there, we set up the trucks, and we had to, we had to come down every once in a while and warm up because we weren't dressed for the occasion either because that's that was the the abnormal for us. And uh, we'd come down, warm up, go back up, and then uh, we started stripping all that hardware out of that gang switch and i never forget the fellow that was with me that night was john a fellow named johnny bell i hope he's still around i I hadn't seen him or heard him lately and of course that's been 40 years ago i never will forget he took his nine inch climb pliers and pulled a carter key out of a set of glass insulators disc insulators and as we've done many times in warm weather, he took that Carter key and stuck it and was going to hold it in his lips right here uh, while he was actually changing the bales out because it broke the bales. And I hollered at him. I said, mm, it's too late. He put that daggone card key right there and it pulled all the meat right off his lips. It was terrible. We later found out that wire had been pulled in the summer before as well as another trouble call I'll tell you about um by contractors and the the contract coordinator that was looking after those contracts one of those guys that loved tight wire well the spans were about 250 feet that was kind of the norm for that larger wire 750 wire and so you know it and it was pretty level ground it was not uneven earth went up and down hills or anything like that well come to find out um Later, too, we found out that wire was sagged in at about a little over 2,000 pounds on a dynamometer because we had to go back out there and drop it and re sag it and do all kinds of stuff to it because uh, it was too tight. I mean, it, you know, if it, if it had done that again, it would have damaged poles again. And it, it's, it was amazing. Over 2000, when you really look up on the sagging chart and tension table, you know, for a 250 foot span, 750, and at 92 degrees, it should have been sagged at about 1,100 pounds. And it was sagged at twice that. So that way when it did cold, cool off, you know, and it got cold, it just it just literally tore it apart. While we were doing that on Cornfield Road, another, another, another trouble call on Mosley Dixon Road out by Lake Tobizaki, I heard them talking out there and I said, oh my gosh, that's a man, that's crazy. Uh, there was a 45 class three C suspension pole, vertical suspension pole, wire come in one side, crossed the road, went back across the road. That, that was 397, I believe it was, uh, ACSR. But that wire had tightened up so, so tight that it pulled a four inch curved washer and that's what we normally frame the pole with behind a, a suspension insulator was a four inch curved washer and the pole was split the curved washers on all three phases were it split the pole, both the pole opened up broken half and dropped all three phases in the middle of mostly Dixon road. Uh, but as I was saying, the, uh, you, you have to make, you have to make some exceptions to the repair, uh, to keep from creating another issue when it warmed back up, uh, just to kind of give you an example, uh, another situation, I was a supervisor at this time, I was living in Stockbridge, Georgia, and and, and uh, Quarry Road substation was very near my house. And of course, you know, the system was such that there was three or four different station breakers and distribution breakers in there. If one of the other breakers that operate, and I could, sitting in the house at night i could see the bus dip i could see the voltage dip on the bus differential and of course i knew then i said the station just operated and it was it was cold another cold night and i before i could get in the truck and head to the station and look and see which breaker operated it wasn't my circuit it was one of the other three uh, I i got a call from the the division operator and he said you need to go to highway 42 and eagles landing parkway and i said, "Okay." Well, I got over there and I knew who pulled this wire in. And I knew who was the construction coordinator over the contractors at this time. And uh, they pulled that wire in again the summer before this cold weather. And it really wasn't that cold. It was, you know, it was below 20 degrees, which is, you know, you don't really think about that too much because that's not uncommon for this part of the country. But I got to that intersection, and that's a that's a, just a straight road and a dead end into end the straight road, and the three-phase lines in a right-of-way just off the straight line road. And there was a there was one, it was 750 AC again, and there was one conductor laying in the road uh, that was actually burning, uh, 14.4 25 KV system. And a truck ran over it while I was standing there looking at it. I said, well, this ain't good. You know, golly. But we finally got that thing switched out, and we started working on it. When we finally pulled that wire back up to the pole to where it had pulled, it literally pulled out of the dead end. And I guess I just didn't tighten it up enough. But it pulled out of the dead end shoe. And it liked about fourteen to sixteen inches, making it back to the dead end shoe. So that's how much it drawed up, you know, contracted in in the cold weather. You know, you just cannot, you can't operate a system that way. And I know I love to see wire that's good, snug. Don't like to see real baggy wire. You know, you pull four old ACSR, and you don't, you pull it in at what the sagging chart says, and you know, if that wire was getting low on the reel, you know, close to the center of the wooden reel that it was coming off of, you still see the curls in the wire. And nobody really wants to see that. And most linemen I know is not going to, they're not going to have that. So they're going to they're gonna make that exception. Well, when I finally, you know, left the lineman crew leader world and was in a supervisor's role and started doing, uh training work for we had an apprentice training crew and that was before our training center took over the progressive training uh, program for you know the distribution lineman and transmission line um, i was up there and i had the training crew and so basically i really hammered it into those guys and i had some really good apprentices on the on that crew i hammered it into them that You need to follow the rules uh, because if you want to go back and look at it later and see it, because, you know, we're, we're one of those niche uh, professions that we can drive up down the road and see our work 20 years later, you know, I, I changed that pole out or I sagged that wire or whatever, you know, you got to do it right, or it's going to be uglier in a train wreck 20 years from now. So make sure you do it right. Well, one of the apprentice training crews I had of my line supervisor, you know, once I got them through the basic low line work and uh, classroom work, and then we got them, I had two buckets and a line truck and a crew leader and a lineman and three apprentices. And we all, that was the training crew. And we went out and we started doing productive work. I mean, that's how we trained the apprentices back then. But it was my job then, my responsibility then, to to train them according to the way the spec book said and also the industry standards and the regulation. And then we had a safety rule book. So, you know, it was a, it was a challenge. It was a task. A lot of the other foremen didn't want nothing to do with it. And I said, that's fine. I'll do it. I, I usually take on things everybody else wouldn't take. He gave us a... And GW gave us a substation, Battle Creek substation. There was a section of uh, then Jonesboro, now Mara, and a whole bunch of stuff south-south of Atlanta. Of course, it, the, it was growing, and there was a lot of um, industrial and commercial growth in there. The load went up. The substations then became too far away. So they actually pulled 115 line into kind of the middle of all of that and they built a substation and we pulled three circuits of 750 out of there and tied it in in respective places to break that load up to where, you know, the load wouldn't be so much. It was about to trip breakers on another circuit, another substation far or further away. Well, I told those guys when we did this, I said, look, we, you know, you're fixing to lay down something here that's going to be here for the rest of our lives and even longer. I said, let's make sure we do it right. Well, it was also a it was a distribution circuit. One circuit was a distribution circuit. It was an underbuild on 115 kV transmission lines, and also it was hill valleys. I mean, it was it was not an easy pull of wire. Okay, and a lot of folks don't really think about this. And when I told them what I thought we needed to do, and it actually worked out pretty good uh they of course they fussed at me but that's okay too uh, they didn't quite understand and once they did they said well i'm glad we did this but anyway we pulled uh we pulled that 750 out and went down that transmission right away and of course the transmission structure is 12 1500 feet apart so we had to add a, two or three poles in in between so we had to make sure that the alignment of the phase conductors you know, related to the transmission and the distribution line, we had to keep it level or we would have had all kind of cattywampus wampus going down through there. Also to add insult to entry, uh, where we pull from and two, there was a hill in between and it was a pretty good little bump, okay? So one side of that hill was the majority of the pool was long and the, the opposite side of the hill was the short pull toward the dead end to where we went back and tied back into an, adi- an existing circuit. So in order to get that sag and tension correct, we had to sag it from both ends. Because once you, if you sagged it from one end, the long end, the short end was so tight, you couldn't hardly move it. If you sagged it from the short end, you had bag on the other end because you couldn't pick it up enough. And I said, okay, well, there ain't one way to solve this. We did the ruling span. We looked at it, wound up, it wound up 250 to 280 feet, if I remember correct. Uh, An average span. So the ruling span wound up being about 275 feet. We looked at the sagging charts that day. It was summertime when we were doing it because we always pull wire in summertime. We hardly ever pull wire in winter. And uh, we were working there and we figured it out. Well, we went in, of course, guying is another thing. you know we had to have uh, the guys in our specification call for a guy per pace, you know on a dead end or a C suspension pole. So we had to get all the guys correct and then we got the framing correct. It was all flat all the way is flat tangent, very little vertical period. And we basically we got that and you would be surprised on the. We sagged it from the short end first because that's where the tensioner was set up and the wire was set up in the substation or right outside the substation. So they cu- they carried it all the way through the mile or so of so wire and they set up and caught it off and sagged it, deaded it in here and sagged it on the short end. Well, they sag- we sagged it. I think we've added 10% to it. Uh, which didn't exceed the braking strength of the of the conductor by a long shot. And we felt like uh, the 10% addition, I think it wound up somewhere between 1,100, 1100 and 1,200 pounds. So we might have sagged it at 1,350 pounds or something. The, wide, the primaries looked good. The, the 4 alt ACSR neutral was, yeah, it was a little questionable, but it, it it was okay. It worked out at the end of the day. But, you know, when we sagged it at the short end, we had it perfect right there at about 1,300 pounds. And we went down to the other end, the long end, outside the station. Guess what the dynamometer said on it when we went to pick it up? It was already dead in. But just to get the strain off the dead end, you know, it was uh, about 900 pounds. So it was baggy down on that end and tight on this end. So once we got that short end right, we had to go down there and re-sag all three of them on that end, and really, it is a now that was in that was probably nineteen eighty seven or eight. So what is that? <laughs> Twelve and twenty four. So it's was thirty six years ago. And uh, you can go by those. You can go by there now. That substation is right there. That wire is right there. And uh, matter of fact, you know, I make it a point to go look at stuff that you know, we did <laughs> over time. If I know that I had something to do with it, I want to see what it looks like today. And it looks just as good today as we did that day. Nothing's changed. That 750 still on the underbill on that 115 KV. All the poles are still there. They may have changed one of them, two of them out, but the sag all still looks very good, you know, all the way through it. And there's just, there's just nothing wrong with that at all. But, uh, Whenever the bottom line is is it's just like everything else, this weather related and environmentally related, you have to adjust your work practices to the weather conditions and temperature, the ambient air temperature of where you're working. And that's just, that's just the way the world is. Um, if you don't do it right, if you don't follow the sagging tensions and charts and, and everything, you're going to wind up, you know, with with a not so good looking job, as well as you're setting somebody up for a case of trouble later on, that they're going to have to go out there and uh, that they go, they're going to have to go out there and repair. But you know, the dynamometer is the answer. Uh, people say they eyeball things and use sagging boards. I mean, I've you know, I've done a little bit of all of it. But, you know, if you if you take that ambient temperature and you look at that wire size and you look at the, wet, the environmental conditions as well as the geographical conditions and you adjust everything according to that, you'll have a good-looking job out there. You won't have stuff falling like they've had. The, what was it? A friend of mine called me from somewhere, and I can't remember now where it was at. During this, when it went down to seven, eight degrees, whatever. And I think it was colder where he was at. And he had some 795 on a dead end pole and it broke, literally broke the dead end pole. And this is just last week or so. And that's another reason I'm writing this uh, this article and then doing this podcast today. Uh, nobody wants to have to go out there and pick up uh, a job to where it's been destroyed because of cold weather. And I think all that is, is just a result of not considering all the things we've been talking about for the last 20 or 30 minutes here. Uh, one last thing I'll leave you with and uh, think about it, uh, in, our, in my world, where I came from, we had initial sag and final sag. Now, if I pull the wire in on, you know, on a Tuesday or Wednesday, and that's usually when we like to pull wire, I don't, don't really like to pull wire on Fridays, once you get the wire in place and get it, you know, the new wire deaded in and grounded, it really should stay in the roller blocks for a day, you know, for about 24 hours, because what you'll have then that initial sag, it's going to creep a little bit back and forth and settle itself in these long and short spans and everything. If you don't, if you don't leave, if you don't leave the initial sag alone for a few hours, and dead it in and finish. you're going to find out. And I'm, and I'm sure you've seen you know, long span, short span, droopy span, not some droopy span. It's, it's really strange. <laughs> uh, it looks funny. And I think that's a result of uh, not letting the creep, I call it the creep, get out of the conductor itself. I mean, that's why they roll. That's why those rollers roll is to let that stuff go back and forth and let it equal out and balance in the long run. So, what you really want is let that initial sag settle it down. You know, I really enjoyed the training supervisor's job that I had. And I really enjoy now doing safety and training and helping people help themselves now. Um, you know, people ask me all the time, Danny, when are you going to retire? And I was, well, I don't know. I think I already, I think I am. <laughs> I just, I do what I want to do and when I want to do it. And, It's myself and the folks that helped me with my company. We really enjoy going in and doing audits and doing observations and doing training and, you know, enlightening people. And you you'll be surprised out there uh, about the number of people. And I think it's because of so many companies now are getting into this business that never has been in this business before and some of them are coming from other companies to where they may not have been trained as well as they should but the way i look at it the more we can do to make the system safer and more sound and use our professionalism as journeyman linemen we should do that uh, hopefully you got a little bit out of this today on on sagging tensions and tables and i I'm, i you know i would welcome any conversations, comments, emails, whatever you need. Uh, if I can help you here or answer any questions, feel please feel free to call me. Be glad to talk with you. Uh, always enjoy talking line work and building, building lines and catching trouble. That's what we're all about. So take care out there. Uh, God bless you. Look out after one another. Nobody's going to look out after you as much as you can for yourself. Be safe. We'll see you next time. Let safety shine by joining us for the IP Utility Safety Conference in Orlando, Florida, this May 21st through the 23rd. Register today at iputilitysafetyconference.com. Press during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of utility business media and its employees. It is strongly recommended that you discuss any actions or policy changes with your company management prior to implementation.